The supposed free lava lamps which went missing from Discotech 5 last night are in fact visiting delegates from the viscous realm. They're sentient and displeased. <sighs> I swear it's like the 11th time. Uh, it must be the 11th time that I've heard that alarm. I'm guessing the ship's too heavy in uh, three categories. Got to pick three. It's not going to be easy, but it is going to be fun. Hey, Boothby. Yeah, right. I'm always happy to see you, young man, as it were. My age is not disclosed. I know how old you are, but uh, you're you're wiped every night, aren't you? So you don't know even, you know, you could have been made yesterday. You're like um, Deckard in Blade Runner. Keeping it fresh. Uh, I understand that you are, you... are you cooking for the captain's table tonight? You've been doing that home economics course. I've been learning some new culinary tricks off Chef Mario down in Kitchen Galley, Galley Kitchen. How's that going then? How's the, the skills coming? I've learnt humans like salt. And? Sugar. Yes. Salty sugars. So what will you be serving us up tonight on the, uh, in the old officer's mess there? Stew. A salty sugar stew? Mm-hmm. Liquid lunch. Mm hmm. And a kind of broth and a sweet paste. <laughs> a sweet paste? I've also learnt that eyes eat as well as mouths. The first bite is with the eye, yeah. So presentation's important. What have you got planned? Something quite spectacular or? Yes, a matrix of paste. Wow! That just sounds like a symphony of non flavours can't taste it, so I'll never know. Well, you'll get a lot of feedback, I'd imagine. So, you know, you can work from how your guests react to your dishes. Correct. It's a two-way street. <laughs> it is a two-way street. Swings and roundabouts, isn't it, Boothby? That's right. Well, there's an emergency on, so let's do the old... I'm sorry to make it all business, but uh, let's do the categories. Why not? We're overweight in the comic book movies DC hangar. Oh, not them. They're my favourite films and everyone's. Tin soups. Love them. Fictional bars and pubs. Ah, oh, the fictional bars and pubs on the holodeck. I use every single programme on that list. Incorrect. Well, nearly every single programme on that list. Incorrect. Right, give me a printout and you can go. Now leave. I will. Welcome aboard the Starship Omnibus, an interstellar arc and cultural archive carrying the last of humanity to the stars. The Jettisons. All-time top three. In space. A marital podcast. Captain, hello there. Hello, my favourite number one. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, favourite and only, but it's nice of you to say anyway. So, you know what me being here means. Uh, the ship's too heavy. We're going to lose some comic book movies from the DC adaptations area. Okay, that's not too bad. Not really. Some of the tin soups. Well, all of the hard parts, we have to pick three that we like. Oh. Um, and the fictional bars and pubs on the holodeck. Oh, goddamn. Yeah, and unless we ditch that extra weight, we're going to run out of fuel before we get to our destination. What? We're not going to make it to Lollapalooza Minor for the World's Music Festival? No, we're going to miss out on all that world's music. Oh, man. What world's is it, you know, this this year? All of them. <sighs> it's a proper cracking lineup. That's my favourite genre, is all music. All's world's musics. All's the musics, all's the times. <laughs> Okay, comic book movies DC, you ready? Okay, let's get cracking. Superman 1, 2, 3 and 4, The Quest for Peace. Superman Returns, doesn't he? Man of Steel, Swamp Thing, The Return of Swamp Thing. Uh, Batman, Batman Returns as well. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Batman Begins. After returning, that seems weird. The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice. Catwoman, Constantine, V for Vendetta, Watchmen, Jonah Hex, Green Lantern, <laughs> Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman. Wow. They made a lot of Batman films in the 20, 21st century. There was a whole bunch of Batmans. I've got a question. Hmm. I was sweeping up my quarters the other day okay. while I was getting Boothby to do it. I came across an Earth DVD. It's a documentary called The Death of Superman Lives. Okay, and this is an Earth DVD? An Earth DVD, okay. original and best, mm -hmm. and I'm putting it in. Okay, that's in there. It's a DC property. It's got Superman and... So it counts. So it counts. Okay, and The Death of Superman Lives... Well, let's go with you then. You have 30 seconds. State your three choices and why. Batman Returns. Burton at his best. Young, not too much of a madhead. 
Danny DeVito is the penguin. Come on, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Wonder Woman, if only for that scene of the Amazonian sisterhood played by athletes in their prime, yeah. bettering themselves, bettering each other, helping each other, being looked upon by Princess Diana. Oh my God, it almost made me cry. Yeah, Princess Diana. <laughs> <laughs> Does matter. <laughs> And finally, the latecomer to the gang, Death of Superman Lives. Yes. Documentary about the ill-fated Superman Lives film where Superman is played by Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I remember now. I remember so, it vividly. Um, it's hitting me. Yes. So my keeps are Batman, full stop. Not returns, not forever. For me, the original Michael Keaton Batman, 1989, is a gothic romance. Mm. And that, to me, that's what Batman is. At Watchmen... Controversial, I know, but rather like the Avengers, you've got a lot of heroes in there. There's some terrible music choices, some unbelievable scenes that should never have been made. Zack Snyder is a very, very patchy director at best, but it's the comic book come to life. For better or worse, it is. And finally, Constantine, because it's a film where Keanu Reeves puts his feet in a baking tray full of water and looks into a cat's eyes. <laughs> That's that. The zinger, the hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Arresting scenes. It's a lovable freak. Yeah. All right. So we've praised a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. pummel. What are your definite? <laughs> it's going to be a long section, folks. <laughs> what are your definite nose? Definite nose. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Mm. Uh, features Nuclear Man. You think he's Van Damme or Lundgren, or, but he's not any of those. Is he not? I thought he was longer. No, he's just a sort of whatever wrestler was about. Oh. And he's got a big blonde swoof, and he's got like long gold nails. Oh, jeez. But the main thing about Superman 4 is famously, it was made by the Golem Globus film company, who were all about minimum spend for maximum profit. Yeah. And it's got that thing of seeing something that's meant to be quite grand and noble on an overly restrictive budget and it makes you sad and it's the last hurrah of absolute the absolute boy Christopher Reeve he is the absolute the utter man (laughs) Um, but yeah so Reeve deserved better Mm. as does the character as a whole it's like when you look up a musician that you used to like and then you look at the back catalogue and you find out they've been putting out an album a year for the past 20 years and none of them are good yeah and you just like it makes you feel some stuff yeah it's a fall from grace and it makes you wish for, for less of something you liked mm-hmm. like a band who you wish split up three or four albums earlier yes <coughs> R.E.M. Um, <laughs> Smashing <laughs> Pumpkins <laughs> <laughs> so much coughing today um <laughs> Uh, my next note, Green Lantern oh, with God. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan the Charmer Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. The Charmstorm. You're not, you're not a fan of, of R&R, are you? No, he's like the spirit of apathy. Wow, just, just blank. Yeah, he's like a sarky, yeah. disengaged <laughs> prick. <laughs> He is snarky. Again, he's one who... I have a hunch if you met him, you'd think he was a nice dude. I don't know. No. He's so vanilla. Those qualities could make him right for the Green Lantern character. But it's just... It's such a misstep in a film that's so full of stuff that should be cool. Because it's totally a Guardians of the Galaxy thing. Like, he goes off to space to learn to be a superhero who can make shapes at will. And he's meant to be a funny character who's kind of a Star-Lord kind of guy conjuring cool stuff at will how can that not be fun to watch yeah that kind of wisecracking laddish character Mm -hmm. he just comes off as being a real like ingrate yeah he's a really poorly written uh, lovable rogue oh he's a lovable rogue yeah you gotta make him lovable yeah and his roguishness (laughs) is like our stupid audience who we will assume are stupid will like a guy who is a creep yeah, it's, it's just very... like school bullies writing scripts and yeah. thinking, oh, you'll you'll like this, won't you, you morons? And he's the kind of guy that will go to space and see some stuff that would make any other human brain melt mm. in awe, and he's just like, crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. No oh, yeah. Humility. What will they do next? <laughs> it's weird. Oh, man. <laughs> Give me back to Earth. <laughs> yeah. You guys are a bunch of clowns. Apparently <laughs> is what Shaking Stevens once said to uh, Adam and Joe. <laughs> You guys are a bunch of clowns. 
So yeah, he's the Shaken Stevens of the DC world and Batman versus Superman. Talk about things that should be fun. Uh, this is long ago now, but that was an age of movies that you can't quite believe happened. Avengers Infinity War and they all meet up and it's like, oh, Spider-Man turns up. It's like, wow, Spider-Man's there. Or like, there could never be a Doctor Strange movie. Okay, now there's a Doctor Strange movie. And one of these, obviously, was Batman versus Superman. Yeah, that'd be cool, but mm. no way. There's no way that will ever happen because mm-hmm. things like that just don't. So yeah, a fair amount of pressure. And maybe it's the pressure that makes them overthink and go past the, does it make sense? Does it need to be like two hours and 40 minutes long? Ugh. It's just such a dunderheaded drag. Yeah, it's fiction. It's a comic book. It's a dude dressed up as a bat. Yeah. And they, they're apologetic for it. And they yeah. try and like plaster on grit. They're embarrassed to be doing what they're doing. And they don't quite know what they're doing. Look at how many Batman films there were in the space of about 20 years. Well, they have to make them, don't they? Because that's the tent pole without which the tent falls down. Mm. So they're dependent on Batman and Superman and they can't get either of them right mm. because they don't know what people like. And if a comic book movie isn't escapist, what's its value? Yes. <laughs> what's it for? You know what would make this kind of fictional story better with a Batman running around? A little reality check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's tackle some harsh truths. Okay, so done. Enough. Well, not enough. What are yours? <laughs> okay, my definite nose, Catwoman. Fair enough. It's had its charm siphoned away by charm thieves. They create the most charmless movie of all time. Yeah. It's like a group of people decorating a Christmas tree played in reverse. <laughs> so they all stand around this thing and gradually remove all its shiny little charms. Yeah. Until it's a, a blank plant. Until it's a dying fern. Yeah. <laughs> It can be done right, like Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Mm. She's amazing. Well, she's broken, you know. She's allowed to have an actual character who's yeah. a bit cracked. And then you get the kind of Nolan apologetic Catwoman, and she's just a whiff, just a little, like, scent of Catwoman. Mm. So she's a robber, then she has some eye goggles that when she puts them in a certain position, look like cat ears. Yeah, mm. they're trying to sort of get round it. Yeah. They're always trying to, like figure out well how can we do Catwoman though when at the same time you know across town Marvel are saying yep talking raccoon in a tree (laughs) but how can we do that just do it just do those characters and film them that's how we can do that's how we can pull it off (sighs) also again talking about the womanly you know here's a superhero movie that women can like I believe I haven't seen it but I believe the baddie in Catwoman is Sharon Stone who runs like a pharmaceutical basically a makeup company oh jeez who is super strong because she uses like a magic face cream Mm -hmm. there's cold cream in it that makes you bulletproof or something wow god awful but it's for the ladies (laughs) but it's for the ladies ladies like dumb crap come on ladies love a bit of makeup come on so who's it for are men going to go and see it to ogle the woman or are women going to go and see it because the woman reflects their complexity and their needs and desires no neither yeah so my next one's man of steel because superman kills a lot of people (laughs) yeah it's flawed in the extreme (laughs) Mm. i know there's genocide but what is it called when you like destroy a city populated with people city-wide city side because you're like fighting nog or whatever his name is (laughs) yeah i I think it's not general zod i know and again massive apologists they were all sort of well but the next one's all about the fallout from that that sounds fun do you mean the fallout for you guys on on tomatoes (laughs) It's all about apologising for that on Twitter. I mean, uh, to the Senate. (laughs) Superman doesn't throw a guy through a skyscraper full of people. He always takes the fight out into the sea or to the moon. Get it all up in the stratosphere. Yeah, and if he doesn't do that, you've got the character wrong, so bugger off. For real. So that's Man of Steel's gotta go. And Batman and Robin, probably for the kind of bargain bucket (laughs) Batman... It's the opposite of the Nolan trilogy, which are devoid of fun and colour. And this one's got... <laughs> too much fun. Too much fun and too much colour. But fun like capital F, small U, big N. <laughs> like Comic Sans, bubble writing, and the letters are moving and going boing, boing, boing. Yeah, meow, yeah. Meow, meow. This is fun, right? Yeah. Look in the mirror, make yourself go wobbly. Yeah, crazy candy. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. It's a comic book movie. It's a comic book come to life. Well, look, it's a comic book come to life. But it's not though. Yeah, it's practically mask too. <laughs> it's 
it is really the mask. Yeah, it's horribly it's so, the mask. Yeah, it's elastic, fantastic, plastic, <laughs> drastic. Lights. It is drastically yeah. plastic. Yeah. I suspect the people involved are having fun. And you can tell everyone on set is telling each other they look great and, wow, this is crazy. And, oh, just go with it. Let's just do a take. Just say what you like and let's just wing it. It's fine. It's mm. fun. It's colourful. It's this. It's that. But it's just a dead dog. <laughs> It really oh, is. You've got yeah. your Silverstone, you've got your O'Donnell. Every time a misstep. Can you even be walking forward if every step's a misstep? Tell me DC <laughs> movies, tell me. I think if it's all missteps, you're just trying to get up. <laughs> <laughs> slipping around on the greasy floor. Or slipping around in Mr Freeze's museum come ice rink. Okay. Yeah. The writers seem to think that comic books are full of rubbish. Mm. So that they're either trying to apologise for that or make big clown messes out of them. Yeah, and they're trying to elevate them to something better. Yeah. Or with more gravitas. Yeah. So firstly, comic books need elevating. Secondly, gravitas equals better. Both wrong. Okay, so which ones do you like? So yeah, we've got... Like is in inverted commas. (laughs) We've got Batman versus Batman Returns, Keaton Classics, Wonder Woman, Constantine, (laughs) Watchmen, and the documentary The Death of Superman Lives. Okay. Put the case for the death of Superman lives. Oh, you're not seeing anything like it. The pre-production, the behind-the-scenes yeah. hypotheses of people, directors, writers, costume designers coming to a property, a comic book property, and like having their take on it. Love it. Love the story of a movie getting made, particularly if it was like this one. Yes. So this is all that with some really arresting scenes of Tim Burton and Nicolas Cage in a hotel room just trying some stuff on. Yeah. Nicolas Cage has got con air hair, con hair. Yeah, big like, long hair. Yeah, big long. Just standing long. in a hotel room, broad daylight, filmed on a camcorder, the most unforgiving of settings. Yeah, looking so greasy. But um, looking kind of thrilled to be Superman. Yeah, everyone looks thrilled that it's happening. Yeah. But... It's not going anywhere. No. It's a fascinating story because it's... Now that we're making this film, we can't not make it. Mm. So for 18 months, they spend like $50 million on... Okay, go off and just design me 200 aliens. Oh, right, now that scene's not in it anymore. Okay, well, the baddie is um, it's called Brainiac. And, well, he could be a man with a big head. No, let's make him an eyeball with spider legs. Now he's a brain in a jar. Now he flies around in a giant skull-shaped zoo in space. Wow. And then the producer, who's an ex-hairdresser, says, Spiders, spiders, got to have giant spiders. And it's just wonderful. Yeah. Behind the veil of DC movie production. Doomed and at its worst. Behind the veil of any doomed movie where you hear like the director's avoiding the producer. The producer's crazy. Everyone's like hiding in their offices when he comes in. And then you cut to Tim Burton with his shades on giving a really sort of unfriendly interview. But it's a very funny story. You're Mm. right. However, that is your personal copy, so you can stash it back under your pillow and it won't be going anywhere. All right, I'll put it from whence it came. I assume um, it is under your pillow, like you love it that much. Yeah, I've quite a lot of pillows, though. <laughs> <laughs> With a different DVD under every one. Earth DVD, don't forget. Okay, so Batman versus Batman Returns. Yeah. Now, for me, Batman Returns is a bit too... Is camp the word? It's, it's like it's Halloween, it's Christmas. No, I tell you, it's too Burton. It's too yeah, Tim yeah, Burton. Yeah. There's a lot of spirals. <laughs> There's a lot of, um, you know, clowns and Black organ and grinders. Yeah. Checkerboards. Yeah. And you don't have a baddie comparable to Jack Nicholson's Joker. It's true. If anything's going to steal it for me. I, I mean, I like it because it's darker. It's than, more twisted. Yeah, yeah. Dialed up a little bit. Mm, it's so more you, perverse. Yeah. But Jack Nicholson is the Joker in Batman. Yeah. Really good. Apparently there was a big thing that he was too cuddly and he was like everyone's favourite uncle or something. He's amazing. I think it's actually terrifying. He is. For someone who was nine when that film came out, and it was the first 12 they ever watched, and I was scared it would be too scary because it was for (laughs) 12-year-olds. He's like in Twin Peaks. Mm. He's like a comic character who's really frightening. Spirit of Bob in that man. Yeah. I was having too much of a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) It's the 24th century. If you don't know that Bob was in... Get real. Yeah, get real. Get with the programme. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Right on the wall. There's that amazing scene where he's wearing a big floppy purple hat mm-hmm. and he's got a boombox with loads of weird Prince soundtrack stuff yeah, coming Prince out of it. throughout. Defacing some portraits and yeah. they're having a right good time. Yeah, they trash the museum listening to Party Man by Prince. 
And the only one he won't let Bob trash is uh, Francis Bacon. Yeah. And there's a bit where he says, give him a shave, in an English accent. Just so weird. <laughs> give him a shave. Yeah. That, a force of nature. That unhinged portrayal of the Joker is one for the ages. Yeah. So that wins. Okay, Perfect. so Batman Returns can get in a spiral bin and Batman can stay. <laughs> the Burton bin. Now, I'm not good at choosing things for the masses, mm. but even I know humanity would probably prefer us to pick Wonder Woman than Constantine. Also, I know that Constantine is not a good version of the comic book character, who is mm. a blonde guy from Liverpool, not Keanu Reeves. <laughs> but, oh, it's so full of good crazy. It's got Peter Stormare as an eyebrowless devil. Yeah. And I think Keanu Reeves is a lovely, deadpan presence. Yeah. I love a bit of Reeves. Reeves is an interesting dude. Yeah. It's the only comic book movie or mainstream movie I can think of that involves a baking tray. You know, like a roasting, like a roast potato tray, like a deep tin. <laughs> and he puts some water in it and puts his feet in there and then holds a cat really intensely and looks into its eyes. And you do get a very tight close-up of the cat's face. <laughs> and that's how he goes to hell or something. Sounds awesome. It's just brilliant. Okay. But... So- well, if mm. Death of Superman lives, this is from my own personal pillow collection. That can be off the table. It can be off the table. So we've got Batman, Constantine and Wonder Woman. Yeah. That means we've got to say goodbye to Watchmen. I always fall asleep when I watch it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I can't watch the men. <laughs> Hard to watch men. Yeah. Um, we still got the comic. That's true. If it is the comic faithfully come to life, apart from the ending, read the comic. So, Batman, Constantine and Wonder Woman... Can I say something about Wonder Woman? Yeah. Um, you know, it may be everyone's second favourite period war set comic book movie starring a handsome if roguish pilot called Steve um, <laughs> where a ragtag bunch of misfits go behind enemy lines on an unofficial mission to stop a crazy German fascist superhero baddie from developing weapons the like of which humanity has never seen before. Etc. Etc. Yeah, but Captain America and Marvel yeah. got World War Two, but they can't monopolize the World Wars. Yeah. So Wonder Woman and Steve Valor have to have World War One. Yeah, Steve Valiant, Steve Chin. Uh, yeah, it's got parallels. But they copied the right movie, so now there's two of them, which is better for everyone. One for the men and one for the ladies. <laughs> um, that's stupid. All films are for everyone. So Wonder Woman, Constantine, and the original Batman, and sadly, all the rest will be not sadly. Jettisoned! Jettisoned. So next up, much harder choice, much closer to my heart, tinned soups. Cream of tomato, cream of chicken, cream of mushroom, vegetable, spring vegetable, oxtail, minestrone, chicken noodle, carrot and coriander, beef broth, leek and potato, tomato and basil or basil, chicken chunky, chicken and veg chunky, mulligatawny, pea and ham, chicken and sweet corn, tomato and lentil, all the ampersands, French onion, spicy parsnip, scotch broth, cockaliki, broccoli and cauliflower, pea and mint, corn chowder, cream of asparagus, Thai coconut, beef consomme, and lobster bisque. Now, of course, they all taste a bit metallic because they're tinned soups. Yeah. So none of them's great. Galvanised. <laughs> yeah. This is a list of my favourite galvanised soups <laughs> with a bit of vulcanised bisque. <laughs> so, my three choices are as the follows. Scotch broth. For me, the ultimate comfort food soup. Lamb and peas. Little bits of potato and pearl barley. That's the real kicker. That's the hook of the uh, S broth. Minestrone, or minestrone, as I like to call it. It's Italian-flavoured, it's got pasta in, and it's a tomato soup. It's like tomato with extras. And cream of mushroom. I felt there should be a cream of in there. Um, And a really good homemade cream of mushroom is a wonderful thing. However, these are tin soups, so that will be taken into account, Mm. but we'll see. Yeah, I've got something to say about them. I know, you always do. So first up for me, on my keeps, Thai coconut creamy aromatic rich mm-hmm. deep silky full of veg exotic veg and then cream of tomato ultimate comfort and i'd argue that that metallic soup taste is absorbed by the metallic taste of tomatoes so it kind of is the perfect for the vessel yeah and then oh. french onion because never has anybody made anything quite so savory no no <laughs> no no no, no. Okay, well, well done. <laughs> right, let's cull some definite nose. 
definite nose. Beef consomme. A cute accent on the end. A consomme is the most strained soup you can have. Mm. So, like, stage one is the chunky soup. That's the kind I like. A lot of mm. bits. Then you, um, you know, in a cookery show, you'll see them blend a chunky soup down to make it smooth. I don't like that. Super pureed. Mm. That's, you know, DEFCOM 2. DEFCOM 3 is the consomme, which is like a stained glass soup. It's coloured, but it is see-through. And that bothers me. There's loads of ingredients, but it's all watered down to a sort of chemistry set style reduction. Yeah. Thin, thin broth. It's very thin. It's coloured water. Yeah, it's It's, stock, really. Yeah, it's beef cordial. (laughs) It's beef cordial. Hot beef cordial. Mm, Exactly. Bad news. Mulligatoni, which is basically curry soup. Therein lies the problem. Because to me, it's like a bowl of thin curry sauce with nothing in it. Mulligatawny to me tastes like you should be pouring it over something else. Curried soups in general, like spicy parsnip, and I, I don't know. Mm. I, don't, I don't know so much. Curry powder flavoured weak sauce. Yeah, weak sauce. That's right, I agree. And leek and potato. Ah. Yeah. No, not R, actually. <laughs> in fact, no. Not R. <laughs> because it's kind of wallpaper pasty. Oh, yeah. It's got the potato starch gloy. Yeah, it's gritty starch. And it's real, real plain. Mm. So plain. It could be improved so easily Mm. that it feels unfinished. It's incomplete. All of these are quite watery, like watery beef, watery curry. This is like Mm. watery, leaky mashed potato. Watery spuds. Mm. They're just too, I don't like it plain. Yeah, I agree. So my definite nose, oxtail. As a vegan, what's your problem with oxtail soup? Oh, God. (laughs) Why a giant's toe? (laughs) <laughs> Which finger? Cat's face. <laughs> Dog nose. Giraffe hoof. So making ox and tail into one word, that doesn't fool you at all? No. You'd still know that that it just remi- has... It reminds me of the rear end of an ox. The bit just above the uh, the poop chute. <laughs> yeah. A big, crusty, hairy, paintbrush covered in poo soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does make me think back to our black pudding discussion, where I did, I've already done this, so I won't do it again, but singing the praises of, you know, using every bit of the animal, mm. waste not, want not, blah, blah, blah. So a proper oxtail soup, which I've never had, because I've never been to an 18th century farmhouse, <laughs> I believe has like the, the sort of vertebrae, like the bone rings oh, in, from inside a tail, they would be bobbing around in the pan, oh, like eyeballs at like, Pancot Palace. Okay, so I don't want to eat Skeletor's favourite meal. <laughs> Or least favourite, because he loves bones. Um, I think it's like you're boiling the marrow bone out of the sort of hula hoops of bone that go down the middle of a tail. Ah, uh, get away. Yeah, I will. I'll keep it away. I don't so, mind. So next up, lobster bisque. Because, oh man, there's something really weird about taking an animal that lives in water and then putting it in some other water that's the wrong temperature for it and then eating the remains. So to you it tastes of like cruel irony, like it tastes of taunting. It tastes of climate change. <laughs> I did wonder, actually, if you, knowing your absolute love of shellfish, uh, I did wonder if you'd done the same Google image search as me, so you know that lobster bisque is often traditionally served with a pincer sticking out of it. You seen that? Bits of bones and tails and Yeah, like a soup shell. burster. Oh. Rising from the depths, the Kraken. Yeah, it is. It's chestbuster soup. <laughs> chestbuster. Da-da-da-da-da. Chestbusters. Da-da-da-da-da. I ain't afraid of no chests. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's sort of like you can hear it kind of screaming at you. like, <laughs> And the soup goes everywhere. And then gradually like a giant lobster sort of climbs up out of a hole in the table. Yeah. But even without the chlorine, I'm guessing the association with shelled fishes is not your favourite thing in the world prawns and they're like locusts or mussels are like rocks <laughs> yeah and oysters are like ancient rocks full of snot yeah a and, rock full of gob yeah and lobsters are like too many legs bones on the outside bones of your enemies and <laughs> they're like the thing that goes in Chekhov's ear in Ratha Khan yeah legs lies yeah. powers <laughs> giant orange mind lice <laughs> fair enough and Although, the fa- I like it for the record. So you like it? Love it. Prawns, king prawns, lobsters, great. What's it like to eat? I've never done the actual little hammers and spanners and nutcrackers put a bib on and, like, you have to suck long bits of meat out of the legs. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
but I've had it sort of chopped up in st- stuff with lobster in it a couple of times. I'm not like a lobster man, but I've had a couple. Okay, so humans eating lobsters makes me think of a time in a century or two when scary aliens who were much bigger than us come and start eating us and we get to see them eat one of our friends and they like lick out the eyeballs, yeah. eat a nose, pull off the teeth. Yeah. Lots of... <laughs> Yeah, there's some carnage to the way people eat lobsters. It is carnage, yeah. Evil carnage. Carn, meat, carne. <laughs> yeah. It's all in there. Yeah. There's, a, there's a connection, a prehistoric connection between yeah. those two things. Oh. So it's a no. So it's a no. <laughs> and finally. For multiple reasons. And finally, carrot and coriander. Mm. So you touched on this. There's a difference between soup and puree. Yeah. Puree for the babies who don't yet have teeth. But put a bit of coriander in, because that's a niche flavour. Yeah, that's for adults. Mm. Yeah, it always tastes to me like someone should be feeding it to you with a plastic spoon. Yeah, and just congratulating you after every mouthful. And like getting the drips off your chin and putting them into your mouth. Oh. It's pulpy. It's a bit papier-mâché. Well, again, wallpaper paste. Yeah, gloy. Viscosity, not right. Yeah. And quite arbitrary. You know, why are tomato and basil and carrot and coriander like the official partners? Why are they sort of uh, mated for life? Come on. Come on, guys. Come on, soup technologists. Down there on deck 23. Get on with it. I like uh, plutonian blue snips served with a little bit of um, Venusian chard. That's a space soup I made up. Sounds good. That's how easy it is to make a soup up. So get get with the programme. Vegetable plus herb plus disappointment. Equals inappropriate thickness. (laughs) My new album. (laughs) Okay, so we have scotch broth, minestrone, cream of mushroom, Thai coconut, cream of tomato and French onion. Mm -hmm. I don't like French onion soup. How come? I mean, I like the presentation of it in America where it comes in a bowl with a cheese crust you could plant a flag in. Yeah, you usually get a slice of toast with cheese on top. Well, this is tinned. You can make that yourself. Yeah, no, you're right. You can make some cheese on toast on the side. But for me, onion is just one of the flavours of the big three. The carrot, celery and onion base from which you make savoury treats. Mm -hmm. Possibly called a millepois. But on its own, that's just too much attention. (laughs) It's like a glass of celery juice. No, I don't want that. I want it mixed with other things or... It shines a spotlight too brightly on one who isn't the star of the show. Bit of a spin-off. Yeah, it's the Joey to Vegetable Soup's Friends. Okay. It's got a lot of character, but... It's a strong flavour. It's a powerful, bold choice. Yeah, but it leaves you wanting the rest of the gang. I get you. I like it because I love some deep onion vibes. Well, your Ukrainian like, blood. You like yeah. to tear food from the land with your hands yeah. and devour it. Give me a veggie bulb. I mm. want it growing deep underground. <laughs> I want a tube or I want a root. Wow, sucking on them deep bulbs. But that's okay. We've got onions. I'll make it some other way and put some cheese on toast on top of it. Good. So French onion's gone. Clash I, of the creams, I'm Clash guessing. of the creams, mm-hmm. yeah. So my problem with cream of mushroom is that it almost always stays vertical when you... <laughs> it out of the tin. It's gluey. It's really pasty. It's like a savoury mushroom custard. Yeah. Gelatinous is never a good word. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you poured out a bucket of squid onto a ship's deck. It's that. My fondness for cream of mushroom comes from at school, I did three or four sort of home economics lessons. Mm. And I remember the one where I made scones and really burnt my hand by only wearing one oven glove. And I remember the one where I made some really good cream of mushroom soup. So, homemade cream of mushroom soup is a whole other thing. Mm. But this is the tin kind. And we just can't get rid of the thick, kind of orange Heinz cream of tomato soup. Yeah. It absorbs and compensates for the metallic tinned nature. Yeah, it can take a tinning with style. Yeah. Good. So the cream is tomato. Um, so with tomato, minestrone can get out of town. Well, minestrone is a very patchy soup for you, isn't it? So you sometimes yeah. like it, you sometimes don't. If it's it, a bit too fennel-y, you don't like fennel. It's real hit or miss. It feels mm-hmm. like everyone's got their own version of what minestrone is. It's yeah. like, I have it with oregano. I do it with basil. I do it with fennel. Get together, guys. Get onto the minestrone symposium. Make some rules and stick to them. <laughs> yeah. Because the variables, it's too rogue. Yeah, it's the rogue. It's the chicken tikka masala of soup. Yeah. But you just want to say, look, before I order this, is it brown or is it red? Because I've got an expectation here and I know I shouldn't have. 
But I think I know what this is going to be. There's so many variables. What kind of pasta they're going to put in there? What carbs are in there? Potatoes? It could have anything in, I bet. Yeah. And, and if you said to the soup chef, what's this? The answer would just be, well, it's minestrone. Yeah. So yeah, that can go. So the Scotch broth. Come on now, it's and thick, Thai it's hearty. Coconut. It's raining outside. Your Scotch broth. Hey, hey, I think we've done it though. Rid of minestrone, rid of cream of mushroom, rid of French onion. Okay, that saves some time. So creamy, rich, fragrant, mm-hmm. savoury, chunky, hearty, yeah. and sleek metallic tomato cream. For anyone who's got tonsillitis. <laughs> and the rest will be... Jettisoned! Jettisoned. So our last category is fictional bars and pubs on the holodeck. The Moss Eisley Cantina, the bar on Nowhere from Guardians of the Galaxy, the Winchester, Quark's Bar or Ten Forward, both from Star Trek, Taffy Lewis's from Blade Runner, the Sweetwater Saloon from Westworld, the Corova Milk Bar from Clockwork Orange, the Prancing Pony or the Green Dragon Inn, both Lord of the Rings, the Slaughtered Lamb, the End of Line Club from Tron Legacy, the Palace Saloon, Back to the Future 3, the Last Resort from Total Recall, the Titty Twister, the Drunken Clam, Who Framed Roger Rabbit's The Ink and Paint Club, uh, Twin Peaks Bang Bang Bar, Cheers, of course. Bada Bing from The Sopranos. The Leaky Cauldron. The Gold Room from The Shining. Moe's Tavern. And Marion Ravenwood's Bar in Nepal from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow, what a host of establishments. I know. Obviously, you want to go to all of them at least once. Yes. I'd like a strip mall of all of these. Yeah. That you could just do a big pub bar, club crawl. Would they sit alongside each other particularly Absolutely well? not. It'd be absolute chaos at kick-out time. Okay, well, I'm confident that if they were all laid out next to each other, I have chosen the ones that would be most frequented. Okay. I think I've chosen popular choices. Okay, but I'm sure you, you do too. What are your keeps then? My keeps. Firstly, the Ink and Paint Club, where Jessica Rabbit sings most mm-hmm. famously. Art Deco American Gangster Elegance... And it's half humans and half cartoon characters. That's you get to like really have a like if a wolf gets a bit randy, you get to see his heart come out of his chest and stuff. Yeah, Tex Avery eyes. His yeah. tongue rolls out like a big stick of bubblegum. Yeah, uh, the bar on nowhere from Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the huge head of a celestial, which has been hollowed out and used as I think a mine. For me, the ultimate space bar. Yes, I'm saying it beats Moss Eisley Cantina. Uh-oh. I'm just going to get that out there. And the Bang Bang Bar from Twin Peaks. It's a cool bar where supernatural things can happen. Giants can appear and disappear and such. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen the new series, you'll know that later in its years, it got an amazingly good lineup of live acts. <laughs> so it's a really good music venue. The end. Some good choices. Thank you. My three. Mm-hmm. End of the Line Club from Tron Legacy. Got to correct you there. It's the End of Line Club. Looks like a typo. Isn't one. <laughs> End line. <laughs> Out of all these, I think that's the one that delivers on kind of nightclub, chic, cool, edgy, futuristic sci-fi. Literally edgy. Lots of edges. Lots of Sharp. edges. Sharp. High Glass. end. Glass. Yeah. yeah. High end. Chrome. Plus, Daft Punk as your resident DJs. Great. Just, oh, delivers. Um, Moss Eisley Cantina, because yes, it's dangerous, but safety protocols are on. Big circular bar around the middle, little booze around the side. You can kind of get scrum in, meet a lot of aliens, lots of some that have bum chins. Proper banter. Mad bants. Mad bants. Most nicely bants. Alien bants. Tatooine bants. <laughs> wow. And then the Green Dragon Inn from Lord of the Rings because it's like the ultimate country pub experience. Wood and smoke. Mm-hmm. Cozy, comfy. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. All good choices. It's hard. This is, you know, I don't want to get rid of any of them, really. Mm, can have fun at all of these places. Yeah. But speaking of getting rid of some of them, as get rid we must, because this is the Jettison's all-time top three in space, ladies and gentlemen, let's do the favourite section of all the ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls listening at home here on the show. We've got lots of letters from you. Had a great time, but sadly, we do have to cull a few, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? So we're going to cull them right now with the ever-popular section. Got a lot of great tweets about it. It's, yeah, you know it. Come on, join in, shout it with me. Is this working for you, this style? Okay, it's time for Definite Nose. Definite Nose. Ten forward from Star Trek The Next Generation. Now. Carpet Remnant Mayhem. (laughs) Carpet Tile Palace. There is not much mayhem. Now, come on. 
There's mayhem on the episodes where they all get sort of held in there as hostages, but it's got the conference room aesthetic of the Federation. Yeah, there is a lot of carpet tiles. There's a lot of prefab seating arrangements. Yeah, carpet on the walls. Carpet on the walls. Maybe had anything more 90s. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, you know, Guinan or slash Whoopi Goldberg as your barmaid, that's kind of great. Quality. But it's really the kind of joint where if you were a bit too loud, heads would turn and you get scowled at. Yeah. I'm here to play 3D chess. I am not here to hear about your day. Mm. Would you please keep your voice down? Bit too civil. Mm -hmm. And also too open and brightly lit. So you don't feel like you've got your own little pocket of space that's not going to get invaded. Mm. You feel like you're all in a room together, which is a weird feeling for a drinking venue. In its defence, you get to see Will Riker mount chairs in a weird way Riker sits down Riker sits down super cut oh my god yeah I mean, the characters, God bless them all, love them. Yeah. I just had to pick one that I think lacks atmosphere. It does feel like office Christmas pie. Very office party, very canteen. Mm. It's a very clean place to sit and quietly have a drink in the place where you work. Yeah, it is um, team building. It reminds me of when I worked in a call centre and you'd go down to the windowless basement for a cheeseburger without any bread because you're on the Atkins diet <laughs> and read the cheapest newspaper there is and just think, maybe today's the day. <laughs> Maybe today's the day. So anyway, moving on. Um, the Slaughtered Lamb from an American werewolf in London. This is the country pub where you're not welcome well, you're experience. Not welcome. So not welcome that you're driven out into the night. Yeah. I have a friend, I can't remember who it was, but someone I know once told me a story where they went into a little pub in the countryside and were just blanked. Oh, no. Like, the barman just looked at them while they kept trying to order a drink, and everyone just looked at them, and it was silent, and they left. Whoa. And that's in real life. <laughs> that is so hostile. And it would make me frightened, and then as soon as I was out the door, incendiary with rage, Ugh. I would just... I'd probably go back in, and that would be very unwise. And mess shit up. Yeah. I was going to say and fuck shit up, but I was like, you shouldn't swear. Mess shit up. Yeah, well done. <laughs> That's pro presentation uh, technique. So, yeah, it's the, even though they sort of. I think a couple of them try to give them some advice about werewolves, don't they? But then the others are always like, shh, shh, shh. Yeah. Don't. And then you go out into the foggy night and you get mauled. You do. If I was going to go to the Slaughtered Lamb, I would play as a local. Because mm. that's the pub where you go in and everyone's, hey, you're here. Yeah, but then if somebody new came in, you'd be the one giving them the steely eyes. I like to think I'd be the local who tried to help but was told to shush. But then you're, you're getting told to shush by people who are worse than yeah. you. Yeah, and you just live there and they're your friends but you don't like them. Yeah, it's like living in a political stronghold that you disagree with. <laughs> yeah. And finally, the Gold Room, which is the bar from the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. Well, you don't want Tyrell to persuade <laughs> you that you've always been there and you can never leave. No, I don't. But I also don't want to go to the bar in any hotel. Ah. That's my issue. Limbo purgatory. Limbo purgatory. Uh, she's great. <laughs> uh, there's a weird... It's night time, but it always still smells of the morning's breakfast. Like yeah. hotel lobbies and stuff always smell of toast. Toast and butter and yeah. eggs and, yeah. Toast crumbs and butter spread into a carpet. Mm. And I know that back in day, hotels were the bars to go to. Like in, mm. our, in our grandparents' days, like, well, we'd meet for lunch in a hotel and we'd go for tea in a hotel. Mm. But now we have standalone venues, so we don't need it. Mm -hmm. Now my nose. Okay. So my definite nose, the titty twister. <sighs> So filthy, I didn't want to include it. It's scummy. Yeah, And it's obviously. dusty. Ugh. Middle of the desert. Yeah. Like, oily, gritty. Just... There's nothing that isn't horrible about it. Yeah. It's full of vampires. It's a brothel. It's incredibly dangerous. And from a not great film. Dangerous before the vampires even come out. Mm. So, at dawn, it's dangerous because the inhabitants are hostile and rowdy. Mm. And then it's dangerous at dusk because a load of Asian vampires come out and feast on you go on like a Tuesday lunchtime <laughs> almost infinitely worse just in different ways and it still smells of bleach oh it sluiced it down that's yeah that's an obvious and easy no yeah it's a trap it's literally a death trap <laughs> anyway next speaking of death traps Moe's Tavern Ah, oh, you don't want a flaming mo. Hostile. Hostile environment. Hostile, dirty. Mo's mm. got a shotgun. Barney's there burping in your face. Imagine being a stranger and going into Mo's tavern. Yeah. Sticky floors. Well, it's got that American pub. Yeah, it's in got authenticity. that. Authenticity. Yeah, 
It's got the authentic American pub in authenticity. <laughs> the kind of strip mall, mm. flat roof, prefab building. It's kind of old and broken and run down, but that's all happened in about 10 years since it opened. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of cheap. And it's got those fake stained glass windows in the front, I believe. Ugh. Women never go there. No. All these things are quite funny in a cartoon, but it's like we said about Faulty Towers earlier. It's, yeah. it's the kind of place that it's funny to laugh at, but it isn't funny if you're in it. Not good to be in there. Um, and then, as much as it pains me, Marion Ravenwood's bar in Nepal. What? From Raiders. Not worth climbing up that mountain. Yeah, I mean, if you've climbed a mountain, I'm sure it's nice to find a windy <laughs> shack. Yeah, that's the only context in which that bar can thrive. Because yeah. that's the only place on earth where people would be pleased to see it. Yeah. <laughs> But it's... <laughs> it's got a fire and a roof. Great, I'm coming yeah, in. Yeah, barely, barely either of those things. Yeah. It's teetering on the edge of being just blown away or buried in an avalanche. Yeah, if it was on a parade of shops with like a Weatherspoons one side and like an old pub or even just like a Pizza Express or anything on the other side, <laughs> it would be the third thing you'd go in. Oh, is that place still open? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's that place still open? <laughs> it's got a lot of local character, but yeah. too much. Well, it's all a bit... Sleepy, because mm. they're either drunk or frozen. Yeah. So everyone's kind of bundled up in furs yeah, and no drinking music. to feel something. Also, totally uh, one of those places, like in a western, where they sell two things. Yeah. So it's a hard spirits. First drink, I'm going to get like real bad heartburn. Yeah. So Titty Twister's like almost entirely tequila and sol. Most tavern is only <laughs> duff. <laughs> There's Brought only duff. By yeah. Or a Corona with a wedge of lime They're or drinking something. it from dusk till dawn. Moe's Tavern is only duff and Marion's Bar is like Harilka. Harilka or Samahonka? Samahonka. This is Learn Ukrainian Day. Harilka, Samahonka and unlabeled stuff that makes you go blind. Yeah. No health and safety. No, what is it? You know, the Federation of uh, Consumables. Food Standards Agency. The FSA. No FSA <laughs> approval whatsoever. No, it's outside the law. It is. And the... Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so moving on, let's have the battle of the yeses. Now, I'm going to suggest one of my yeses for college. Okay. I just think the Twin Peaks Bang Bang Bar, though it is it has a kind of log cabin styly, it also has a bit of what you've just been saying about most happening. It does. The only saving grace for that place is that it's also a music venue with some very good bands. Yeah, weirdly. And also sometimes an alien does like a monologue under, <laughs> under a spotlight. Yeah, a one-man show. <laughs> About being nine feet tall. Let's do the bar on Nowhere versus the Moss Eisley Cantina. Okay. Now, I think Moss Eisley... Is better. No, I what? don't think Moss Eisley is better. No, no, no. No, no. You've now heard all the music they play in there. Figrin Dan have got other songs. You've got to give them a chance. Well, if you let the modal nose do their own material. But he's like, no, you play my songs. That's your. That's a side project. Ten hours. Yeah. Cantina music. <laughs> Don't you know about Star Wars? They're the words. I'm telling you, they're the words. Now, admittedly, the bar on nowhere from Guardians of the Galaxy, as I'm going to keep calling it, is obviously a progression from the Mos Eisley Cantina. Mm. It owes it a huge debt of creative thanks. Mm -hmm. But it's bigger. Let me put it to you like this: it's the Mos Eisley Cantina meets Rick and Morty's Blips and Chits. It can stay. I know it can, because you love Blips and Chits! Blips and Chits is like where I want to be buried. <laughs> it's where Scat I want to live. Scatter my ashes. Scatter my ashes at Blips and Chits. Yeah. That's a t-shirt waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, because it's just the same thing turned up to like 1011. Okay, all right. Nowhere wins. It's got bars, it's got amusements. Very much a dive. But it's just a more impressive, more colourful space dive. Yeah, I mean, Moss Eisley's got a lot of aliens to see, so does Nowhere, but Nowhere's got amusement arcades, so that's what I like. Good. So, the Ink and Paint Club versus the End of Line Club. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, the End of Line Club has the air of a rooftop cocktail bar that probably... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing specific. But you know that time we went to a rooftop cocktail bar in Shoreditch? Yeah. And it's like people from work would be there. Yeah, it's an elite hangout for 
bankers. Yeah, it's glassy. And for me personally, that's not quite my kind of hangout. And I think you can get an equal amount of, you know, luxury and shininess and polished things in a sort of high-end gangster club. All right, so that's more of a sit-down, candles on tables, deco, early 20th century kind of club. Yeah, I'm not a clubber, so I'm not really looking for something. that It has the kind of pounding, you can't talk to each other, volumes, and mm. that's just not my scene. But the Enderline Club is good because it's got that DJ set, dance floor, anonymity. That but is it true. is a bit cold and isolating, which I'm, I get. Yeah, well, I don't want to be a total, I don't dance curmudgeon. So, you know, if you want a dance floor, there's a dance floor in the Incan Paint Club. There's probably one in the bar on Nowhere. And I bet it's got, like, lights underneath it that change, but it's a bit cracked and knackered because it's a sort of dive bar that's yeah. seen better days. I want a Billie Jean light-up dance floor. Yeah, I feel like there is one there. Or if not, they'll have, like, hollow suites, what you can imagine. Okay, probably. okay, okay. So there's a bit of duplication there. All right, so we've got Incan Paint Club and then Green Dragon Green That's Dragon. It. Yeah, so Green Dragon in from Lord of the Rings. So we'll speak fondly of that briefly and then <laughs> put some stuff into space, yes? Yeah, it's the country pub, but the one where everybody knows your name. There's, you know, a giant pumpkin. I bet it's really cheap. Frothy ale for yeah. next to nothing. You could yeah, probably go in with, like, a potato that you just dug up and they'd be like, sure. Yeah, you could trade because you've mowed someone's lawn or you've yeah. painted their fence. Yeah, and they'd just give you ale and a big pie. Just a frothing nut brown and ale. And a little hug. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, lots of pies. Pipe smoke. Like, mm. I bet people smoke in there, but it's only the aromatic smokes. Yeah, proper. So it's smoky in the absolute best way. Cherry hookahs. Yeah, cherry hookah. Hookahs seem a bit eastern to me. But in terms of the tobacco. <laughs> for, for Hobbiton, which I think is, um, yeah, not diverse. No, it's, it, all hobbits be pale. Yeah. I wonder uh, how they vote. Anyway. <laughs> so, you yeah, can't. but... <laughs> We don't want no change. <laughs> I likes what I likes. I'm Coming in here, taking our ale. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked hard to get what I've got. No handouts. So, um, <laughs> apart from all that... Sidestepping all that. Yeah, look. all that issue. But Open yeah. fires. There's probably... Do they have dogs? Small dogs, I guess. Puppies only. Yeah, puppies only. <laughs> <laughs> they give them away when they get too big. So... <laughs> But it's the ultimate cosy pub. Yeah. Imagine you being out on a big hike across the Shire mm. and you get to the Green Dragon and it's just, oh, have some cherry tobacco. Yeah. Oh, have a half of ale. Have some shandy, man. Yeah. Have a pie. With beer that's made like two doors down. Like oh. it's, everything's so local. But also, because we're us, it would be magically slightly too small. Mm. So we'd be like um, Gandalf in Bag End, mm-hmm. sort of stooping down. You'd feel a bit looked at, I guess. But um, yeah. You can do it as a hobbit size, you know, that's optional. Change scale. Yeah. Awesome. So we're keeping Ink and Paint Club, Nowhere from Guardians of the Galaxy, and the Green Dragon Inn. We are. And all the other clubs are now going to be Jettison! Jettison. Uh, the following of us on Twitter, at Jettison's Cast, is now mandatory for all crew members. Uh, don't make us ration the oxygen again. Just, you know, comply. Bitcoin's always welcome on Patreon. Uh, they'll help us do more episodes as we approach the end of Series 2. There may be more, there may be not. Who knows? Uh, also, feel free to suggest categories online for things that you absolutely love and just can't wait to hear us throw away into space. And if you've got the time, and also if you haven't, please go to iTunes and give us some nice, sweet reviews and some sweet, sweet stars on there. Or just tell a friend that we're good. Even if you don't think it. Message ends. <laughs> the Jettisons All-Time Top 3 in Space was created and performed by Kristina Baczynski and Greg Johnson. With artwork by Kristina Baczynski and editing, sound design, and music by Greg Johnson. Thanks for listening.